Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I'm continuing in this series called Worship. Uh, at the first part of the year, I talked a lot about the foundations, and, and I think worship is one of those key foundations that we really need to have established in our hearts and in our lives. And uh, this morning's message is my part. What is your part? So what is your part in worship? Um, do you have a one-on-one -on -one worship time with the Lord? What does that look like? My first point is, am I a worshiper? Am I really a worshiper? John 4, 23 and 24 says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Imagine that somebody walks into this uh, sanctuary on a Sunday morning, what do, you, what do you think they experience? What do you think that they see demonstrated here? Do they see believers that are disengaged and uh, maybe complacent about worship, just getting through the message, uh, getting through the, 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 muse, the time of the music till they get to the message, or, or maybe just, uh, you know, just disengaged or... Do they enter into an environment where it's entertainment-driven? Or do they, are they entering into an environment where they see people engaged, where they see the worship team worshiping, not just playing music, but actually entering and engaging in worship? Do they see a congregation that's engaged in worship? Or do they experience an intimate, worshipful experience with other believers? where not only is the praise and worship team leading us in worship, but it's coming back to them because we are worshiping with them. We're not just being led into worship, but we are a part of that worship experience. Do, do they see believers that are passionate and authentic in their worship? What does your worship look like? I know that from time to time, my worship can be very different. Sometimes it's very quiet. It, it doesn't really matter what the song is. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I'm just very re reflectful and and worshipful. Sometimes I'm jumping. Sometimes I'm shouting. Sometimes I'm praising. Sometimes I'm clapping. Sometimes I'm bowing down. Sometimes I'm weeping. What does your worship look like? The thing is, is that it should be authentic because we're, there's, there are dynamics in our life and there are seasons that we go through and there are times when I'm just crying out maybe because I have a burden for a particular family or maybe I have a burden for something going on in my own life. Maybe I have a burden for the community or maybe God has placed a burden on my heart and I'm just in tune with His Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm crying out for someone, or, or sometimes I don't even know why I'm weeping. Sometimes I'm just filled with joy. 
But there's a dynamic that should happen, but it should be authentic. And that's the wonderful thing about having the Holy Spirit resident within us. He guides us and leads us. There are times when last night in our prayer time, I felt like the Lord was leading me to pray for a particular thing. And so we begin to pray for that particular thing. And so many times the Holy Spirit will lead us to, to pray for something or, or maybe begin to worship or maybe, uh, I don't know, it, it's like we're the expression of the Lord sometimes. That's how I feel, like he's expressing his, his uh, desires through us. And what a wonderful thing when the Holy Spirit can begin to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, what if you pray for this? Or what if you begin to intercede for that person? And worship is, a, is an important part of that because as we come into worship, it's like something happens in the atmosphere. Whether that be an individual thing, just in your car, in, in your quiet time at home, or whether we come together corporately, there's something that happens in the environment where we, when we begin to worship. And maybe you're here and, and you feel like that your attendance and your involvement doesn't matter. It does matter because you're a part of the corporate worship that's happening. And I, I don't think that God necessarily hears. I think he can hear us all singing, but I think he also hears us individually. More importantly, he's looking at our hearts. And are we connecting with him? Are we authentic? And so your participation is vital for the overall dynamics of worship. And I've, I've talked to people and I've seen people in churches where they come into the worship service and they're just stoic. And that's okay, I mean, if that's their personality, but are they engaged? You know, there should be some kind of expression. If their favorite football player scored a touchdown, would they still just be, oh, look, he scored a touchdown. They're going to win the game now. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, most of us, it's probably not that way. So every Christian, every one of us that, that claims to be a Christian should be worshipers. We, uh, we are all called to worship. John 4, 23 and 24. Let me read this again. But the, and this is Jesus speaking. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. It was here now 2,000 years ago. It's here now. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. The Father is looking for those that are truly worshiping, not just going through the motions or not just singing the song, but are, but are engaged in worship. And I think he is pleased when he looks down and sees us giving that's, that, that's one thing that we can give to the Lord is our worship and our praise and our adoration. And when we begin to understand and, and recognize what he's done for us in our lives, when I, when I stop and look at my life and I look at the wreck of, of a life that I created for myself because of bad decisions, I'm so thankful that he reached in and pulled me out. I have a lot to be thankful for, and I think all of us do. So I think he's pleased when he sees us worshiping. John 4, 24, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul is writing to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 
chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. Paul was exceedingly trained in Jewish religion and, and the law and the Jewish culture and the Old Testament commandments and all of that. He was, he was like a scholar and he knew the law. He knew the word, the Old Testament. But there was something that was missing from his life. It was the faith and the love that comes from Jesus Christ. And when he had this encounter with Jesus on the road, it changed his life. It changed his perspective. He had, now he had uh, a change. Not only did he know about the word and, and, and all the cultures and all that which was important, but now, even more importantly, he had this relationship. He understood that everything was pointing to Christ it wasn't about keeping all the laws and all of these other things. It was about this relationship with Christ. And he goes on to write, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save all of us. I love it that the gospel is really so simple that any one of us should be able to grasp it. And we should be able to understand that Jesus came to save us, to pay the ransom for our sins. Knowledge and religion can, knowledge and religion cannot and will not save us. It's only this relationship with Jesus. He came to deliver, save, heal, set us free, empower us to live the abundant life that he came to give? Are we, are we walking in that? Are we living in that realm? It's about this relationship with him. Paul goes on to write in verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul was responsible for Christians' death in the early church because he thought that they had missed it and he was going around and uh, uh, responsible for their persecution and death. And then he comes to this realization and this understanding and this relationship with Jesus. And, and I can only imagine the pain that he had from persecuting and killing Christians and then realizing he was wrong for that. But I think that he came to a place where he received God's grace and forgiveness and moved on. I mean, he ended up writing, God ended up using him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. A man that had been opposed to the cause of Christ now had an encounter with him and now has, has flipped a 180 and God uses him in a a mighty way. To think that God could take, oh, he, he refers to himself as, as the worst sinner and then use that person in their life and work through them to change the world. What a gracious, loving God. And God wants to do that through your life. God wants to do that through my life. God wants to do that through the lives of the, the, the person that's out in the street right now recovering from abuse of alcohol or whatever. 
God wants to work in their life and so transform them that they come into this relationship and they have an understanding. They don't just know about God, but they know him. The demons from hell know about God. And I think some of the demons have a better understanding of the power of God than some Christians do. We pray, we pray, God use me. God, God use my life. And I understand that and, and I get that. Um, open doors for me through my gifting and, and the things that you call me to do. Lord, help me to deliver this message that you want to deliver today. Lord, help me uh, as I teach in children's ministry today and use me work through my life. But let's look at Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Work through my life, but more importantly, I want to encounter you. I want to know you. The Lord's greatest desire is to know us, to have this personal, intimate relationship with Him greater than our service to Him. And it's easy to get caught in that trap of performing and thinking, okay, you know, this is, this is the most important thing. And service is important. I, I, it is. But greater than the ministry He's given, greater than our giftings, His goal is not for us to perform. His goal is that we know Him personally and intimately and that we have this intimate relationship with him i love this our worship to the lord is a reflection of our relationship with him can we post that john can you put that on facebook i i love that uh you know i shared this last week i think too but but as i was meditating and uh, praying and for the service um it's like the Lord just dropped that on me. Our worship to the Lord is a reflection of our relationship with Him. Our worship changes us as we grow in this relationship. My worship looks different than it did 20 years ago, maybe even five years ago. And even if my worship, my expressions of worship don't look different, my heart is different, and the authenticity, and, and just the, the realness. I love that we can just be real with God. <laughs> we can just be real with Him. <sighs> the Lord's purpose and desires to dwell with us. Adam and Eve, I, I, wow, I mean, what a, how cool that would have been. To have, be in the garden there, just, you know, chilling out, laying in the hammock, go down to the stream, you know, jump, go for a little swim, and God comes down and he's just hanging out with you. Just because, just because he wanted to be with you. <laughs> that would have been so cool. And they kind of messed that up, but, but <laughs> God has a solution and his name is Jesus. Yeah, think, think about that. We wouldn't have to work. We'd still be in the garden. Hey, what's up? What are you doing over there, man? I'm fishing. Oh, I'm playing golf. Four, look out. It's coming your way. God spoke, speaks to Moses in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. He was like, hey, build this tent. I, I want to give you some instructions here, and I want you to build this thing, and I'm going to come and, and hang out and reside with you. 
verse 9. You must build the tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So God has a purpose and plan, and he's very exacting in what he wants and how he wants us to do things. Uh, so this, you know the story, uh, or you know about this, the tent, that they, they had this tent, and they moved it around in the desert, and the cloud indicated God's presence during the day, and, and there was a pillar of fire by night that indicated God's presence there. And as long as they remained connected to the Lord, God blessed them and God provided for them. They were unstoppable. They were unstoppable. But they, they lost when they would disobey and turn away from God. When they began to, to worship uh, pagan idols and things like that. And, and so how, did, how was it that the enemies of Israel turned their hearts from the Lord? It was through their worship. They polluted their worship. God told them not to intermarry with these other tribes, not because, uh, you know, he was racist or anything, but he knew that these other tribes worshipped these pagan gods, and eventually it would work their way into their worship, and it would turn their hearts away from God. And so we see that many times, that, uh, that they would begin to intermarry, and they would begin to worship these other pagan idols, and their hearts would turn, be turned from God. And the enemy uses the same tactics today. If he can turn our worship away from him to worship other things, he's trying to pollute our worship. He's trying to remove the Lord from this nation. I mean, come on, you see it? It's right there in front of us. And sometimes I think, are we asleep? (laughs) Do we not see what's going on here? Let's, take, let's just take God out of our society. Wait a minute. No, stop. No. No, it's not going to happen on my watch. You can't pray. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> and yes, I will. <laughs> if the devil can, if the enemy can take us out with complacency, he will do it, and he's doing it. He's taking worship out of the church. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, it, it, in some churches, it's, it's all about entertainment. And he's attempting to remove the Lord from our hearts and lives. He's, he's attempting to shift our focus off of him onto other things. Worship is much more than a few songs on a Sunday. It's about this heart connection with him. Worship is a strong connecting point with God. I was talking, uh, Pastor Mohan was here on Wednesday, and that was just a great service, and I uh, appreciate all of you that came um, but we were talking about the different religions, and we were talking about how the Hindu worship is based on fear. They worship all these gods. They have like 44,000 gods that they worship. Almost everything is a god, and it's based on fear. Oh, I'm going to worship this god because I don't want this god getting mad at me, so I'm going to worship this god over here because I don't want them getting mad at me. And I shared with you that I went on a, a tour with a group of pastors, and we went to a Hindu temple, and it was so enlightening to me to see these statues or these things behind these wrought iron cages and they had they were all dressed up and i was thinking people actually worship these idols i i mean it just i don't know i'd never seen that before really and so it was a very eye-opening thing so muslims worship is based on lust they go and they sacrifice their life and then they get all these virgins it's based it's based on lust 
And, but our, our worship to our God is based on love. We don't have to perform. We simply receive God's love and his grace and his mercy through faith. And our reward is forgiveness for sins and eternal life with him. And that we can walk in the freedom and the victory, not only when we die and go to heaven, but right now. Right now. Open the heavens right now. And so we're praying every, every Thursday morning and we're praying throughout the week that God will open up the portal of heaven over this place and come down and that, that there will be a Jesus revival yes. that will shake this place, yes. that will change the atmosphere, that will impact Kima, Texas and Seabrook and Bay Cliff and League City and Lamarck and Alvin and the surrounding communities that will start, that God will start a fire here in this place that will expand throughout the nation, throughout the world. So when we come and pray on Thursday morning from 9.30 to 10.30, when we come and pray from 9 to 10 p.m. on Saturday night, it's important that, that you join us. You can come up here and join with us as we're praying because revival begins on our knees as we're seeking the heart of God and we're connecting with Him and He's downloading us into us what to pray for and how to pray. So join us for prayer if you can. So we have this hope, we have this, this expectation, we have this reality that uh, we can live this eternal life. Uh, we, we can walk in victory for eternal life and e even now. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, you know the scripture, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, period. You are God's masterpiece. Of all creation, you are his masterpiece. He, is, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God had a purpose and plan for you long ago. See, we're created new through Christ Jesus. When we come to him, he does something. He begins to take that old stuff out and impart more of him into our, into our lives. And the Lord desires that we freely worship him. And like I shared earlier, we're, we're so blessed that we live in a country and we live in a place where we can freely worship. There are people that do not have that privilege and opportunity. They have to go underground, and they're putting their lives on the line. What a wonderful privilege and opportunity we have. He's not looking to force us. He wants us to choose to worship Him because He didn't make us robots. He gave us a free will. Worship in the world should be different from worship in the church. I've seen people in the, in the world and, and, and they, they worship their idols. They worship their things. But listen, it should be different in the church because we're not worshiping the things of the world. We're worshiping Him. I remember some friends of ours were in town and, and they invited us to go to the, the Houston Rodeo. And uh, th there was an artist there that I was not familiar with. And uh, they wanted to go see this artist. And we're like, okay. So we went there, and it was a, a secular artist, and he, he had all these female dancers, and they were, you know, dressed very provocatively, and 
it was it was very very worldly. I was not comfortable there, and uh, in fact, we didn't stay. We we left after a while. But but as I looked around, I saw and the, and these guys were were entertaining. But it was almost like a worship service. It was almost like a worldly worship service. They were lifting their hands and they were singing and they were engaged. And if if I could have just taken a snapshot of the video of the crowd, you, you wouldn't really be able to tell if it was a worship service at church or it was a secular concert. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to tell that because they were engaged. And I thought, wow, how interesting that that God has created within us an innate desire to worship Him, but how easily that can be twisted off. So we left early, and I was glad. Uh, Music is amoral. I mean, music is not good. It's not bad. There's not Christian music. There's not secular music. Uh, there's not devil music. Devil didn't create anything. He doesn't create. He can't create. He can pervert, but he doesn't create. I, I remember there was a guy on the radio when we lived in Corpus Music, uh, in Corpus Christi, and and he was talking about, oh, that's a devil beat. Oh, that you know that beats of the devil. <laughs> and I'm thinking the devil didn't create that beat. You know he can pervert it. And then his song would come on at the end of his service, and it had the same beat. I'm like. Okay, well, all right. I'm not really figuring that one out. So music is notes, it's chords, it's beats, it's patterns, it's tempos, it's instruments instruments and vocals working together, hopefully, for a pleasing sound, right? So it's amoral. Uh, but worship can be used for entertainment. It can also be used for, for worship and engagement. And so let's not confuse the two. I, I can enjoy uh, listening to secular music and appreciate it for what it is, and I do from time to time. It doesn't have any religious or spiritual value, uh, but I can go bowling or I can play pool or I can play golf, but that doesn't really have any spiritual uh, relationship. I mean, it can be a time of fellowship, but there's nothing good or bad about playing pool or, or playing golf, except if you know you hit somebody with your golf ball. Um, but but I can even be entertained by Christian music. There have been times when I'll put on some music and I'm not really necessarily worshiping. I'm just enjoying the music, and that's okay. I remember I I had to uh, I was I was sent out of town to oversee a job in in Dumas, Texas. Anybody know where that is? Up up in the middle of nowhere, up by Amarillo, somewhere up there. <laughs> and uh, so I was stuck up there for a couple of months and. And uh, when uh, in the afternoons, I, I, there was nothing to do there, really, once you had dinner. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to do. So uh, I would, there was this one particular CD that I would play over and over. And I would just drive around for a couple hours, you know, just there wasn't anything else to do. So I would just listen to music. And, and I was listening to this one particular Christian CD, and uh and I, I was like, Lord, why am I listening to this? I mean, why am I so drawn to listen to this particular CD? And I felt like the Lord said, it's worshiping to your soul. It's ministering to your soul, our mind, our will, our passions, our emotions, our intellect, all of that. I, I just felt like the Lord was using those songs to minister to my soul. So uh, music can be 
just a, a, a wonderful way to connect with the Lord and allow the Lord to work through music to, uh, to touch us. My greatest response when entertained by music is different. Uh, my response when entertained by music is different than my response when I worship. So, um, you know, there are times when I'm just entertained. But when I come here in this place, I'm worshiping because the focus is on worshiping him. My worship to God includes my whole being, not just my soul, not just my mind, my will, my intellect, but it includes my physical body that as I'm bowing or lifting my hands or shouting or singing, making a joyful noise. I love that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So if you can't sing well, you have, you have permission now to make a joyful noise. Um, but there should be a standard of excellence. I should give the Lord my best worship. There should be some passion there. If I'm worshiping him and I'm recognizing all that he's done for me, there's, there should be some passion there. There should be some fire. There should be excellence in, in what I give to the Lord. It shouldn't be cruddy. Uh, we should be presenting our best. Our best honors God. And again, this is one thing that we can give to the Lord is our worship. Our, left, our, our leftovers don't honor him. Whether that be in giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure, are we, are we just throwing a penance at him and just saying, oh, okay, God, I have this leftover, so you can have that. Wow. Have you ever had somebody say, hey, this is terrible. Uh, this cereal is terrible. You want it? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, great, thanks. Now, I know men do this. They'll be, oh, smell this. This smells terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, that does. But, but, you know, are we giving something to him that, that is not of value to us? And you look back in Malachi, and the Lord was chastising them because they were bringing their own sloppy, leftover, half-dead sacrifices, animals they were bringing to him. And the Lord says, would you give those half-dead sheep to your governor? But yet you want to come and, and offer those as a sacrifice to me? Really? I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to honor that because you're not honoring me because your heart is far from me. So are we giving God our best? Psalm 33, 3, sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. So when the band comes, there's an expectation that they will be play skillfully, that they'll know the songs. Because what they're offering, what we're offering is our best to him. Worship, worshipers should be skilled and play skillfully. I know that I've practiced and played drums probably for thousands of hours. I love to do it, but there are times when you have to woodshed and you have to work on your craft and you have to learn the songs. You have to, to work those things out. And when I'm learning a new song, I may listen to that song 10, 20 times. So I can really get it. So I can hear, what are they doing? Okay, you've got the kick drum here. You have the hi-hat here. You have this drum feel here. What are they really playing? Because I want to I give my best to the Lord. And for a Sunday morning service, I may work on and practice just the drum part for a couple hours. I could fake it. I could probably slip through a little bit. After all, I am the senior pastor, and they don't, you know, they don't have to do anything, right? But what example would that set? What example would that set if I, if I just faked it or didn't do my best? 
What, what would that example to the team? What would that example to you? And most importantly, what would I be giving to him? Knowing that I can give him more, but compromising, being complacent. I remember uh, probably a couple of years ago, there was a band here, and, and there were there were good musicians, and but I noticed that they were just slopping through some things, and I had a conversation with them. I said, "Listen, uh, you know, like in this one song, it has a push here and then back in on two here, and you guys are just slopping through this thing. Why are you doing that? First of all, you're you're getting paid. Secondly, I there's a level of expectation here, and you guys and." Are just slopping through this. Are, is this is this really your best to the Lord? And uh, one of the a couple of the guys came up and said, uh, "Thank you, Pastor, because we have been slacking off." And and I told him, I said, "Listen, if this was the best that you could do, that's all I'm asking. But I know you can do better, so you need to do better." And we need to have that same heart and attitude. Because, listen, it's not about performing or it's not about, let me tell you what it's about. It's about our heart. What is my desire? It's to please him and to give him my best. And so Karen has, has talked to the teachers in children's ministry. She's, she's emphasized that, hey, we're doing this because we're honoring the Lord. If you're making coffee and first impressions or you're setting up signs, with Jason and the First Impressions team. There's an expectation there. Ah, oh, that's good enough. Ah, oh, it's, it's, it's crooked or it looks bad or it's dirty. Or, no, no, no. Because we're representing Christ. And when people drive onto the campus and when they go to our website and, and when, when we are presenting this, this environment for them, we want people to come in and, and experience excellence. We want to do our best I'm thankful that Jesus didn't say, oh, well, that's good enough. I'll pay for some of their sins. <laughs> well, what's our heart? Oh, that's good enough. It's, it's dirty. It's cruddy. It's not clean. But that's okay. A great example, Barbara Redding sets up the cafe on Thursday mornings. And in the past, we would put those, those little coffee creamers in a, a, a basket and they would just kind of be thrown in there. Now, one thing we did do is we would recycle those because uh, we found one point at one point in time, somebody was just putting the coffee creamers on top. The ones on bottom were old, and they were not acceptable. But Barbara has taken it to a new level. If you go in there and look, well, I don't know about now. <laughs> but, but when you come in on Sunday morning, You'll find those baskets and those coffee creamers are, are very well, they're very well displayed. And it's not because anybody told her or asked her to do that. But she wants to do her best. That's one thing she can do is she can, when she's putting those coffee creamers in those baskets, she can do, the, do that with excellence. Because that's her heart. Does it really matter? I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't. Nobody asked her to do that. 
Nobody had that expectation of her, but she took the initiative because this is a form of worship for her that she doesn't want to just give something that's good enough, but she wants to give something that's excellent because her heart wants to serve him completely and totally. That little act of sacrifice, that little act of ownership and saying, hey, I want to worship God in this way, blesses my heart. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. What if I just showed up on Sunday ill-prepared? What if I didn't really have a message? What if I just, you know, kind of faked it, faked my way through? How would that honor the Lord? I could buy sermons online and preach those regurgitated sermons. You know, there are a lot of pastors that do that. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's up to them. But I tell the Lord, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I mean, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. But... If, if I don't have something fresh to say, if I don't have something that you want to convey, you know, what's the point? And so every week, you know, I seek the Lord and I say, God, what do you want me to say today? What do you want me to share? We should not be okay with giving leftovers, mediocre or sloppy to the Lord. That's not his character. It should not be our character either. The anointing of God is what really elevates our worship to higher levels. And the anointing comes with the authenticity of our hearts. I've witnessed uh, my skill level uh, go up when the anointing of God comes. Yes, I practice, I play, and uh, prepare as much as I can. But there have been times when I've been playing drums, and I'm like, I go back and listen to that, I'm like, oh, my, my. How did I do that? I have to listen to it a few times. I'm like, how did I do that? And so the anointing of God can take what we have prepared and amplify that and accelerate that and go beyond. It's amazing what God can do when we will prepare and give him our best. And then he takes that and makes it even greater. It's not about what it becomes. It's about this heart of worship. And then God just moves powerfully. I've been in the studio where all of a sudden the, the creativity, I mean, it's just flowing. The anointing of God is there. And people are, pray, are playing and singing beyond their natural ability because there's something supernatural that's happening there in that realm as we give to the Lord and as we're worshiping Him and giving everything that we have to Him. We need to have the Spirit of God to lead us into His throne room of grace. And the anointing of God is critical, especially with our worship. Otherwise, we're just singing. Otherwise, it's just music, which is okay, but it's not worship. So the anointing of God is critical. You are designed and called to live out the dreams God has given you. Part of your destiny as a Christian is to worship the Lord. That's part of your destiny. There's a correlation, I believe, and what I've seen is there's a correlation between worship and anointing. 
And I'm not, when I'm talking about worship, I'm not necessarily just talking about music. I'm not necessarily just talking about singing to him. But I'm talking about a, a life, a heart of worship and anointing. Some of the, the most powerful men and women that I know that move mightily in the anointing of God have a, a life of worship where their heart and their life is about worshiping and giving to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not just talking about it. It's living this thing out. Where we have this authentic, real relationship with the Lord. And God is pouring through our lives. And God is impacting other lives around us. I love this. I love that we can just worship. I love that you guys are worshiping. I love that these guys are worshiping. There's, I think I said this last week. Sometimes the sermon, sometimes the impact, sometimes what the Lord is doing happens in worship. It can accentuate what the word and what the message is, but the worship is where we really make this connection with Him. And I, I want, of all things, I want us to be a loving, worshiping church. And a church is made up of people. And we are that people that make up this congregation. And I love what I see going on here. I love seeing the love that's, that you guys demonstrate, that the Lord is pouring through your lives. And I love this worship that you guys are lifting up, that we are lifting up to God. And I know that pleases the heart of God. And I want us to always encourage to continue to do that. And when you run across people that talk about worship and they say, oh, well, you know, I don't go for the music. I just go for this. Maybe you can help them understand what worship is because I don't think they fully understand what worship is. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And as we connect with him, the anointing of God comes and flows through our lives. When we're faithful in the small things, he will give us more. When our heart is right to go above and beyond to make sure the coffee creamers are excellent, God honors that. God blesses that. And God expands. And he is worthy of our praise. The Lord told Moses to tell Aaron to bless the people in Israel. And this is what he said. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So I speak that over you today. The verse 27 says, Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. Lord God, I thank you for blessing us. I thank you for blessing this wonderful congregation. I thank you for blessing this church. I thank you that your presence is here and you are doing something not only in our lives, but in the atmosphere and the communities around us because we are praying, we are worshiping you 
your word says when we lift up the name of Jesus, you will draw all men unto yourself. So as we continue to lift up the name of Jesus, I know that you're changing the atmosphere. I know that you're doing something in the communities. I know that you're breaking strongholds and principalities that have been over this area probably for centuries, that you're setting people free, and that you are, uh, I believe you're about to do something amazing, that you're opening up the portal of heaven over this place. And we're praying with great expectation that there will be a tremendous Jesus revival that will start here, that this will be the place. But I know too that it requires us to pray the price, that we pray and that we seek you and that we open our lives up to you and we yield to you and allow you to work through our hearts and lives to prepare us, pouring through us to touch a lost and dying world, which is your heart, to touch us, to save all people. And we thank you for this privilege and opportunity in Jesus' name. If you have prayer needs, the prayer team will be up here. And I love you guys. I love you guys so very, very much. You are such a wonderful congregation. You are amazing. And I know God has more for each and every one of us. So as we go through this life, as we go through this week, as we take a day off tomorrow, and barbecue and and reflect maybe. Let's remember God's goodness to us. Let's remember that God has given us great opportunities. Let's see the opportunities. Let's be looking for the opportunities and let's seize those opportunities as we go out and make a difference in the world, as we go out and Live live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.